Hi, my name is Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 7 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the Gaming Rules monthly video log from November 2021. If you prefer to watch this on YouTube, that video is already there, but this podcast is essentially just an audio transcription of that monthly video log. This podcast is only made possible thanks to the financial support of my Patreon campaign. So a huge thank you to all of my supporters for making this possible. And if you like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to the Gaming Rules monthly video log for the month of October 2021. I say October, I'm actually recording this on the 22nd of November, but this is October's video log. Now I'm going to talk about this a little bit at the start, but one thing I do want to mention just before we start is, well, a few things actually. First of all, there is workmen outside digging up the road. I have tried moving the camera around various rooms of the house to find a room where I couldn't hear the digging outside, and unfortunately, you can still hear the digging outside. So occasionally during the course of this video, you might hear what sounds like a JCB digging up the road outside. Other diggers are available. Um, so if you do, apologies for that. I will try and edit out any rumbling if I can. The second thing is I'm wearing my GridCon polo shirt today. That is because GridCon, Gaming Rules in Devon Convention, my own convention that I run with Vicky, uh, we leave tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> and to say the last few weeks have been a bit stressful, we have spent literally every night uh, I've spent most of most of the day and we've spent all of last weekend just gone and all of the weekend before getting everything ready. So I'm absolutely frazzled, <laughs> but GridCon starts tomorrow. Right, so they're the things um, about the start. Now, I normally start off by talking about the games that I've been playing in the month, but there are a few other things that I wanted to talk about beforehand. If you are only interested in the games that I've played this month, then skip ahead. There'll be a timestamp in the video um, so you can skip to that. But please bear with me because there are a few things I did want to mention beforehand. The first one is, in the last monthly video log, at the end of it, I announced uh, my decision to step away from rulebook writing. Um, that was a difficult decision for me to make and a lot of people have sort of questioned it, have said, well, hang on a minute, Paul, aren't you like supposed to be really good at that and you're well respected for that and you do a really good job at that and you get paid for doing that? And I'm like, yeah. Now I did talk at that time uh, about some of the reasons why I have stepped away from that work. I've not gone into all of the details. Um, there's a lot of other information and the reasons why I gave it up. Um, but I have to say, since doing that, um, the amount of support that I've received from people has been fairly overwhelming and humbling, if I, if I have to be honest. Um, a lot of messages, obviously, from, from patron supporters uh, and a lot of new patron supporters, which I'll talk about in a minute, but also a lot of messages from, uh, you know, friends, colleagues in the industry and everything else to say that they understand the reasons why they fully support it. Um, and yeah, just a big thank you to everybody who has reached out to me, either in public or privately, uh, and shown your messages of support. Now, I can hear all the banging outside, so again, apologies for that nothing I can do about it. Right. The next thing is, and this is something that I meant to talk about on the last video log and completely forgot, but you are very likely watching this video log right now on YouTube. You might be listening to it as a podcast if you already know that it's a podcast, but I haven't actually officially announced that the podcast is now available. And I wanted to do that now in this video log. So when I reached 700 patron supporters, uh, one of the goals of the Patreon campaign was to basically turn these monthly video logs 
and the monthly live Q&As into a podcast. So if you are watching this on YouTube and you think, oh, actually, I'd prefer to listen to this as a podcast, then you can stop watching this and you can go and find it. All you need to do, and it's on most of the podcast platforms, you just need to search for the Gaming Rules new podcast, I think it's called, because years ago I did, do, did an old podcast and you might still find that one. But search for the Gaming Rules new podcast. At the moment, there are two episodes a month. One is the monthly video log, one is the monthly live Q&A. And I just wanted to give a big shout out uh, to three people. First of all, uh, well, two, two really. This is Oliver Kinney from Tabletop Games Blog uh, and James Naylor, designer of Magnate and CEO of Naylor Games. Um, they both were very, very helpful because they do podcasts and the system that they use in order to do their podcasts, I basically said, well, look, you're doing yours. Can you teach me how it works? And they were really helpful uh, in getting me set up. Uh, and Chrissy Wright, who, who does the background stuff. So I send Chrissy the MP3 file and Chrissy does all of the uploading for me. So thank you very much to you three uh, for making this possible. Right, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we jump into the games, and this is something that I want your opinion on. When should I be doing these video logs? One of the things that I do in each video log is I talk about the new patron supporters and the support that I've received in the previous month. Now, I can't really get that report until a few days in to the month. So here's my thinking going forward. Here's what I plan to do. Whether I stick to it or not is down to me, but let me know. I think I should be doing these video logs at the start of the month. With, within the first week of the month, basically, I should be doing the video logs, and then it will really cover, it will properly cover the month before. It will cover all of the new Patreon supporters in that month and everything else, because I'm, I'm gonna talk about later on all of the new Patreon supporters that I've received in October. I'm not gonna mention all of the new supporters to November, in November, that feels wrong because these people have started supporting me in the last three weeks and I'm not gonna mention them. They will get a mention in the next one, of course, but it just feels odd. So this is what I'm thinking of doing, is doing the video logs in the first week of the month and I'll try and get December's done, even though December's video log will actually be really short. But let me know, let me know what you think. I'm just curious to see what your opinions are. Right. Let's start talking about the things you really want to know about, and that is all of the games that I've played since the last video log, which was, we, we ended the last video log with me playing Ark Nova on the 29th of October. So moving on to the 30th of October, me and Vicky played together one of the Unlock Adventures that we hadn't played. Now, for those people who don't know, I am now one of the testing team for Unlock. We've just finished testing Unlock 10, which I'll talk about later on. We did 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. I've done loads of them. I've been doing them for years. But there was a time when I wasn't part of the testing team for the Unlock scenarios. And the Exotic Adventures is one of those boxes that I wasn't involved in the testing of. But I do have a copy, and it's been on our list to play for a very, very, very long time. And on the 30th of October, me and Vicky decided we were going to play, and we played the dinosaur one. Um, it was three weeks ago, I can't remember. No, it was good. We enjoyed it, but it was a little unusual because we've been part of the testing team for these now for years to play one that we weren't actually testing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the dinosaur one was, was quite hard. It was, it was good. We enjoyed it. I've, I've spoken about the Unlock games before, and I've, I've done a video where we compared them to the Exit games. But the dinosaur one was, was really good because it actually, you had a map and you built up a map and it was a little bit, 
I don't like it when people always compare things to Seventh Continent just because there's a map. But you know what I mean? You're placing cards out on the board and you're making a map of them. And what was interesting is that the app actually tracks where you are on the map and certain things can only be done when you are in certain locations. So unlike other unlock scenarios where it's fairly abstract and you're just kind of everywhere all at the same time, in this one, you are in a specific location. So yeah, we enjoyed that one. It was quite difficult. Uh, we did need a couple of hints, I think, when we got stuck, but that's, that's normal with these things. Right, on the 2nd of November, I did a video where I unboxed the game, I learned how to play the game from the rulebook live on camera, and then I played a solo game. And this is Free Ride. This is one of the two new Freedom and Freezer games that are out uh, this year, published by 2F Spieler. And um, yeah, now Freedom and Freeze is an absolute genius, right? I've, I've, I've had breakfast with him and I've chatted with him and I always thought he was a genius beforehand. Uh, and he's just, he's got some crazy ideas and he manages to keep producing games that are innovative, clever, different. And this year he had two, Full Throttle and Free Ride. Uh, and if, you, if you're interested, then check out the video. It is on the channel now. It went live on the 2nd of November. And as I say, I learned how to play the game from the rulebook and then played a solo game. Now, I liked it, but I only have played the solo game. I now want to play this game multiplayer because the solo game wasn't representative of the multiplayer game. And I don't mean that as a criticism. What I mean is there are some board games out there, for example, Underwater Cities, and I always use Underwater Cities as the example. In a solo game of Underwater Cities, you pretty much do exactly what you would do in a multiplayer game. And then you count your points at the end, right? Whereas Terraforming Mars, in the other extreme, in the solo game of Terraforming Mars, you are actually trying to do a different thing. The objective is not to get a certain amount of points. The objective is to do a different thing. And that was the same with Free Ride. In the solo game of Free Ride, the, the, what I learned from that game, I mean, the rules are similar between that and the multiplayer game, but how you approach the game is very different. And I really want to play free ride multiplayer, and I hope to soon. And I was going to a couple of weeks ago, but we ran out of time. So yeah, free ride, new game from Freedom and Freezer, published by 2F Spieler. And thank you very much to Henning from 2F Spieler for sending me a copy of that game. Right. Also on the 2nd of November, I did three games of Mystic Veil Digital. Now, Mystic Veil, the digital version, uh, from Nomad Games, there's four expansion sets, I think, for it now, and the Mystic Veil digital adaptation is very, very good. Now, I quite like Mystic Veil. It does have one of my least favourite mechanisms in the game. There's lots of scraping going on outside. <laughs> um, it does have one of my least favourite mechanisms in the game, which is push your luck. That's a part of the game. The reason why I don't mind it so much in Mystic Veil is because Mystic Veil is a quick game especially digital. Now the digital has the advantage of you click a button, you click what expansion sets you want and you say go. And there you go, you're playing the game. The physical board game, and you know me, I always prefer to play games physically if possible, but the physical board game will take you ages to set up because you've got to get the right cards from the right thing, shuffle them, put them in places and everything else. So there are certain advantages to playing digital adaptations of games and Mystic Veil is, is a great example of one. Um, now, uh, that's on the channel if you're interested in that. I played three games with, I think, three different expansion sets. Uh, and I'm looking to play that more because, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I was a little concerned 
by the uh, the AI in the game, and I want to play this game multiplayer because I've been playing against the AI set at a certain level, and in one game, the AI would absolutely trounce me, like get twice as many points as me, or even more. And then in the next game, with the AI set on the same level, I would get twice as many more points than it. And that's why I'm, I, I don't know whether the AI in the app is just not that good, or it's a bit random, or in fact, is the game actually a bit random? I don't, I don't know. Um, and I'm curious to see what your opinion is. As I say, I like Mystic Veil vale as a game, but when you play against an AI set on the same difficulty level, I kind of expect to, as I get better, my score to get better, and not have such wildly different outcomes. Is that just the, the AI in the, in the app, or is, that, is the game actually quite luck-based? I, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Moving on to the 3rd of November, uh, Arkham Horror Living Card Game. Now this is... is that the last time we played it? Wow, I thought there was I thought there was a couple of occasions where we played it. Maybe there was, and I'd forgotten to record one. Um, but yeah, we played uh, the next chapter, or did we play the same chapter? The Arkham Horror Living Card Game. I've spoken about this loads in the past. We were planning to get the Forgotten Age campaign finished before Gridcon. Gridcon is tomorrow, so that's not going to happen. We are now looking at trying to get it done before the end of the year. And I don't even know if that's going to happen, because we've all, we've all got a lot of things on. But we replayed Chapter 5. Uh, part one, or part A, a second time, and this time we completed it. So we are now going to be moving on to chapter five, part B, in the cave. Yes, that's what we're going to be doing. I don't know when that's going to be. Keep an eye out on the channel. We do need to talk about it um, with the group and find out a date when we're going to do that. Next up, on the 5th of November, it was Plague Day at Gaming Rules Headquarters. Messina 1347, one of my hotly anticipated games from Essen. Uh, Delicious Games passed me a review copy of the game at Essen. Thank you very much for that. And I actually played it three times on the 5th of November. Well, I have three logged plays on BGG. So what I pretty much did is I took the whole day off um, and I, learnt, I, I set the game up and learned how to play from the rulebook. And that was a private video. Um, I do a lot of behind the scenes videos for Patreon supporters. And, and that was one of them. So basically I spent the morning, I think it was the morning, setting the game up, learning how to play from the rulebook, reading through it. And then in the afternoon, again, this was streamed as a private stream to Patreon supporters, uh, I did a full solo game. Um, so I had that, that, that isn't a public video, that is a, a Patreon only video of me playing the solo game. And then in the evening, Robert and Rob came round and we did a three player game of it. And that is live on the channel now. So if you want to see a tutorial and playthrough of Messina 1347, that is on the channel now. Now, although I got past the review copy of the game, uh, it wasn't a sponsored video in any way. So yeah, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for essentially, you know, funding me to take the day off to prepare for that video. And yeah, I really enjoyed the game. Now, if we compare Vlodger's three games, uh, or sorry, Vlodger's three games, since he moved away from CGE. We have Underwater Cities, we have Praga Kaput Regni, and we have Messina 1347. He also had Monster Baby Rescue, but that's not in the same category. Currently, after one play or one and a solo play, Messina 1347 is between Underwater Cities and Praga for me. I like all three games. I think Underwater Cities is amazing. Um, Praga, I enjoyed Praga, but there were a few things about it that made it 
a game which I think I could play four, five, six times and then probably not anymore. Whereas Underwater Cities, I can't see me ever not wanting to play a game of Underwater Cities. And Messina 1347 is at the moment between the two. I don't think it's going to be better for me than Underwater Cities just because Underwater Cities is great. But it was good and I enjoyed it um, and I definitely want to play it again. Definitely, definitely want to play it again. So, after we'd finished Messina 1347, we then did, uh, we, we finished by about 10 o'clock. Um, and games night here on a Friday is normally finishing at around 11 o'clock. So we thought, oh, it's 10 o'clock, let's do something else. We said goodbye to the camera. And then what we did is I did another Patreon-only stream, because this was very rough and ready. Uh, and this was Fortune. This is another game in the Fast Forward series of games from Friedman Frieza. I'd previously played Fortress on the channel. Uh, and this is another one of them. And we didn't play the full lot. I think we played maybe six or seven games of it or something like that. I think there's like 12 in total. Um, but yeah, if you're a Patreon supporter, you have access to that behind the scenes video. And uh, if you want to watch it, let me know. I might cover the game properly on the channel at some point, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It was a really enjoyable. We had a lot of fun. And the thing with the fast forward games, if you don't know, is that you start, the, the game contains a deck of cards. It's only the deck of cards in the box. There's no rule book. And then what you do is you turn over the first card and it basically tells you a few rules. And then you turn over a few more cards and you do what it says and you draw cards and you add them to your hand. And then you turn over another card and it says, oh, right, now we'll explain the rules of the game. And every round you draw another card and the rules of the game change. And it was really interesting. And you're trying to get the highest number in a round, but then there are cards that change that and cards with special abilities. And then about round three or four, there was a twist and the blackjack rule came out and it was just really, it was a lot of fun. And, and these fast forward games are really good. Now, I've just seen Loki enter the room. So here we go. Every time, every time I do a video log. Yeah. I keep promising him his own YouTube channel and, and he hasn't got it yet. Look, you need to create an account, mate. Yeah, you coming up? Come on. Here he goes. Here he is. Listen to that purring. Have you brought us any voles today? You brought us a vole yesterday. We went out shopping and we got back. And when we got back, there was a, a half dead vole on the floor. Thank you very much for that. Have you brought me any presents today? No, you haven't. <laughs> it, it's a camera, mate. Yeah? Come here. He has no concept whatsoever. Look, you can have your own channel. You can have your own TV time if you want it. I'm talking to people about games. Right, where were we? Fortune, yeah, really good. If you're interested in the fast forward games, uh, if you can pick them up cheap, they're well worth a try. Uh, really easy, uh, very accessible, as I say, you don't even have to read any rule book beforehand, you just start playing, really good. Next up, on the 7th of November, me and Vicky played the demo of Suspects. Now, Suspects is a new game that came out, I think it came out at Essenspiel, um, and there are three cases in the box, and I got given a demo case. Now the demo case is shorter and hopefully easier to play than the other main cases. Uh, and there is gonna be a, I'm gonna take the demo to GridCon. So if you are attending GridCon and you wanna try it, you can. Suspects is being explained to me or described to me as a cross between Unlock and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Both games that we love. It's set in kind of Agatha Christie style um, and you're on a train and you're trying to investigate a murder. And we were like, this is exactly the kind of game that we love, okay? 
We love Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. We love the Detective ones. We love the Unlock games. We love puzzle and mystery games. So this sounds like it's exactly our cup of tea. We played the demo, and after playing the demo, we were a little... Trying to think of the right word without it sounding too negative. <laughs> we were a little uncertain of the demo, and we both agreed that we need to play one of the other scenarios to see whether the demo was representative of a full game or not. So, on the surface, like I said, we were very excited about it. This looked like it could have been the kind of game that we would absolutely really enjoy. However, we found that when we were playing it, basically you have these cards, and similar to Unlock, these cards have numbers on them. And what you do is, if you want to go and look at the dead body, the dead body has a number 13 on it, so you take card number 13, which is exactly the same as Unlock. But then card number 13 has some text on it, and then it gives you some narrative and everything else, and that's where it's a little bit like... I'm just going to turn the sound on my computer down. That, that where it's a little bit like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now, the scoring system in the game is actually quite clever. Because, and, and this is why we want to play it again, you get the questions at the start of the game. Now, if you've played Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, you only get the questions at the end. When you've decided to stop investigating, that's when you get the questions. In this game, you get the questions at the start. So, who murdered them? Why did they murder them? And what was the significance of the partridge in the tree, right? I'm randomly making things up here if you didn't guess. You get these questions at the start. And on your score sheet, you write down the answer as soon as you think you know the answer and you mark it in, in a box depending on how many cards you've drawn. In other words, how long you have taken to get to that conclusion. So if you are 20 cards in and you say the murderer was Mrs. Miggins from the pie shop, so you write Mrs. Miggins in the pie shop and you write it in the, in the box that said you've seen you know, 20 cards or fewer. But if you then change your mind later on, you can. So if you think once you've got to card 25, you can think, oh, it's not Mrs. Miggins, it's Mr. Smith. You just cross out Mrs. Miggins and you put Mr. Smith, but you'll put it in the next box. And basically at the end of the game, you will get points if you are correct based on how early you guessed. So if it turns out that it is Mrs. Miggins and you put Mrs. Miggins right at the start, then great, you've got it right. But if you decide to wait a bit later and then put Mrs. Miggins, you will only get the points for later. Now, that, that's how the rules work, but we couldn't get our brains into gear to manipulate that. And first of all, we don't play these games to score points. We, these, we play these games to have fun, do the investigation, explore everything, and then try and answer the questions. That's the way we go into it. But that's not the way this game is designed. This game is designed that you have a guess early, and as I say, you can change your mind. You don't get penalised at all if you're wrong, as long as you change your mind later. Um, so if you put Mrs. Miggins and then you changed it to Mr. Smith, you'll get the points for Mr. Smith if it was correct. So the game kind of promotes you having a bit of a guess. But here's, here's the thing why we were a bit uncertain about it. By the time we'd drawn 20 cards, we had no idea. So gaming the game, we should have had a guess. We should have written something in that box, because then, 20, even if it was just a total random guess, because 20 cards later, if we go, ah, it was Mrs. Miggins, 
then we just leave it in the first box and we score more points. And that, that felt a bit weird. So anyway, if you like the sound of it, I've, I've not made it sound that appealing, but like I said, we played the demo, uh, we want to play more of it. We found that actually, in terms of difficulty, it was hard. We went into it expecting something that wasn't as complicated in terms of complexity and difficulty of the actual case as Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, and it kind of was. Um, we, we went to all of these locations, we got all of these clues, we, we couldn't really work out exactly what was happening. It felt that we didn't have that much information. And we also go everywhere. So if we see a card and it has the number 17 on it, we play it like unlock. We go to number 17, even though in this game, the more cards you reveal, the more, the, the, the fewer points you will get for your guesses. But as I say, this is the whole thing. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm, we're still trying to work this out in our head. If you play the game like we did, it kind of didn't work as intended. You know, if, if you play the game like unlock and you just go to everywhere and then try and answer the questions, you'll score the least number of points. But anyway, I've talked enough about it. We want to play more of it. That is Suspects. Next up, on the 10th of November, I did an unboxing video for Undaunted Reinforcements, and then, as a Patreon-only behind-the-scenes video, I learnt how to play the solo mode of Undaunted Reinforcements. Now, I would say, if you're a Patreon supporter, you have access to that video, go and watch it, but there's no point, because on the 17th of November, a week later, I did an actual, proper, public live video where I played the solo mode of Undaunted Reinforcements. So that video was done on the 10th as a, literally a behind the scenes. It was like a two hour video, two and a half hour video where I sat down, I set the game up, I learned how to play the game, the solo game. And the reason I did that is I did it a week before the proper one because the one on the 17th was a sponsored video from Osprey Games. So I had to do it a week before uh, to learn it, practice it, make sure I was doing it right. Uh, then one of the designers, watched the video afterwards and pointed out some things and then I had a few questions and things like that. So all of that was all part of the preparation. So let, 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 let's skip ahead a few days to October 17th. No, November 17th. I don't even know what month it is. November 17th, Undaunted Reinforcements, and that is on the channel now. I did a solo playthrough of Scenario 1 from Undaunted Normandy using the new solo rules and I showed the game off. Um, it was a sponsored video, so I can't really give you my personal opinion on the game other than the video is there if you want to check it out. I did make one slight mistake in the setup. Uh, I put a two victory point, I put a one victory point marker on a tile and it should have been a two victory point marker. I do need to go back and put some kind of annotation on the video just to, just to highlight that. So I played the game absolutely correctly in terms of the rules based on what I had set up in front of me. Unfortunately, I set the game up slightly wrong. And what that meant was that um, when some units moved where they had a choice between two different areas, they should have gone to the area that they didn't go to because that was worth more points. But anyway, that is on the channel now, Undaunted Reinforcements. I believe it is out actually fairly soon. Uh, recording this video, 22nd of November. I think it might be out next week. Yeah, I think Undaunted Reinforcements is out next week. Right, so moving forward to November 11th and 12th, and I did Brick and Mortar. Now, the designer of Brick and Mortar contacted many months ago, and he said, Paul, I've got this game, it's been on Kickstarter, it's gonna be delivered to backers near the end of the year, would you be happy to do a video on it? And I had a look at the game, and I had a look through the rules, and I thought, oh yeah, this actually looks like 
the kind of game that I would like to cover on the channel. So I said I said yes to it. Uh, and then I did a preparation on the 11th, which again was a Patreon-only behind-the-scenes video. And then on the 12th, I did a tutorial and playthrough. That's on the channel again now, if you want to go and see it. That is a tutorial and playthrough of Brick and Mortar. If you have Brick and Mortar and you haven't yet played it, then you will see how you how the game plays, or if you're just interested in watching us how we played it, um, or if you're interested in potentially getting the game at some point in future. I don't know what their plans are. It's Octoraf Games. I don't know what their plans are for um, actually selling the game afterwards. I don't think there's a retail release plan for the game. I'm not sure. But anyway, it was a, it was a sponsored video. So again, I can't tell you my personal opinion about the game, but what I can tell you is that uh, what it was Robert and Rob again that came round and played it. And Rob, it was like one of the best games that he's played in the last year, he said. He said it was fantastic and he definitely wants to get hold of a copy of the game. Um, it re really interesting because there is a... I mean, I like dynamic markets. I like buying and selling things and I like... I, I like that sort of thing in games. And in this game, I, I, yes, anything with supply and demand and the way that it's manipulated, I actually really like that. And in this game, without giving an opinion, I will just tell you how this works. You, you, you own stores and you have to buy goods and then you have to sell goods. Obviously, you want to sell them for a profit, but you can only buy them if there are goods to buy. And the players using their cards determine which goods are available to be bought that round. And then if the right goods are available, you buy the goods. Then you have to try and sell the goods. But again, you can only sell the goods if there is a demand for the goods. And the cards that the players play determine the demand for the goods. Now, that might make it sound like, oh, if you want to buy and sell clothes, you just make sure there's a supply of clothes and then you make sure there's a demand for clothes. If only it was that easy. It's not. The way that these supply and demand cards work are actually really clever because they're combined and you either play a card as supply or demand and there are more icons on there other than just one. And it, that, that is just genius. That, the way that that works is very, very clever. And you find yourself, well, we found ourselves certainly every turn going, well, I've got this clothing store. I've no clothes to sell. So we need some more clothes in the market, but I've got this card with clothes on. But if I play it as supply, I'll be able to buy them, but then I won't, there'll be nobody to buy them. Ah, and you get all of this. And there is quite a bit of player interaction as well, because, and this is where it actually gets really clever. If you are trying to buy goods and there isn't enough available, then the players have to basically bid against each other for buying the goods. And it's exactly the same with the demand. So if I have four clothes and you have four clothes and there's only demand for five clothes, well, we, we, we can't both sell them all. And that's the, if there was a demand for eight clothes, we'd both sell them at maximum price. Quids in, we're all good. But if there's only a demand for five and you've got four and I've got four, we've got to bid against each other on how much we are selling them for. And whoever gets to sell them will sell them for the price that they bid, the cheaper price. Um, but then the, the twist is, if you're trying to sell something and you don't actually get to sell it, then it's surplus and you lose it. And there was a really, really critical turning point in our game where me and Robert, we both had one, was it jewellery, I think? It was either jewellery or a piece of artwork. Artwork, we'll say. We both had one piece of artwork each. There was a demand for one artwork. So what that means is we are in a bid against each other for who gets to sell the artwork. 
and let's say for example Robert decides to sell his for 20 and I decided to sell mine for 22, what would happen is Robert would sell his for 20 and mine would go to waste. That's the way that the surplus rules work. It's not that I don't get to sell it and I keep it, it's the fact that it goes to waste. So we're sitting here and this is where it's a little bit of blind bidding which isn't necessarily my favourite mechanism but in this game it, it just really worked. And we were there going and we were looking at each other and I was like, and I was just too scared. Because if I'd have put mine at 25 and he'd have put his at 24, he'd have sold for 24 and I'd have lost mine. And I was like, and he, I, he just got to me and I just went, I'm not going to sell. So I, you do it in secret. So I, did, I turned my dial to zero to say, I'm not going to sell. And Robert turned his to 25. So we both reveal them and he sold his at 25 and I didn't sell mine. I, I didn't sell mine. I kept it for next turn. But if I had just put it at 24, oh. Anyway, yeah, so that's brick and mortar. The video is on the channel. I recommend checking it out. It's a, quite a different game from most other games. But if you like what I've said about it here, check the video out for more information. Next up, 15th of November, Monday night, Corrosion. I don't normally do playthroughs on a Monday night, but this is the week before Gridcon, where I was trying to self-isolate, mostly. Um, so yeah, Stephen and Ian came round and we played Corrosion. Corrosion is a game, uh, it's published by Deep Print Games, which is a new company. Uh, Pegasus Spiel have the rights to publish it, and I think Capstone Games in America as well. Um, Stefan Bauer, new designer, he's not done anything else before. So if you're interested in Corrosion, that video is on the channel now. Corrosion is an interesting game because it is kind of like engine building. You, you have these resources, which are gears. You have small gears, medium gears, and chrome gears. And you are getting these gears, and you are getting other things, and you are using them to build machines. And you are running a factory with these machines. But the reason it's called corrosion is that things rust, things don't last forever. So you have these one-shot machines that, like their name suggests, you build them, um, but then you've got to wait for the right time, and then they work and then they're gone. You have these turning machines that do something every round until they disappear, which is usually three rounds. And then you have these, um, the chrome machines. Now, chrome machines are permanent, but essentially in the game, what you're doing is you're, you're building stuff up and then it, it does something and it runs and it activates and then it disappears. So you're, you're having to completely rebuild your engine each time, except for the chrome machines. Um, we all enjoyed it and we all wanted to play it again and I'm pretty sure it is going to get played at Gridcon. But if you're interested in learning more about Corrosion or seeing a three-player game played, check out the video. What I will tell you is we accidentally developed or created the short version of the game because there are two triggers to the end game condition. Either there are three or fewer special victory points left in the pile or there are three or fewer of these like objective cards, whatever they're called, I can't remember. And you're supposed to play in a three-player game with ten of these objective cards, and we played with eight. And nobody spotted it, and the designer was in the chat, and he didn't spot it either. Um, but of course there were three left, and we ended the game, and then it was only afterwards that we were like, wait a minute, there should have been ten of those. The game probably should have lasted about another half an hour longer than it actually did. Um, so, But the game worked fine. So this is what I'm saying. If you want a shorter game, you could just play with fewer objective cards, and it worked absolutely fine. Next up, on the 16th of November, and this is a video which I'm going to be making live probably this afternoon, so by the time this video log goes out, this video is probably going to be live on the channel, and this is Mindbug, and it's actually going on Kickstarter, I think, tomorrow? Yeah, so the, the day I'm recording this video, I think the Kickstarter is going live tomorrow. 
you're probably going to be watching this video. This video is probably going to go live tomorrow, therefore it will be live at the same time. This is Mindbug. This is a non-collectible dueling card game. And I'll tell you what, if I had a pound for every email I got from somebody to say, Hi Paul, I've been designing a collectible card game similar to Magic the Gathering, I'd like to cover it on your channel, right? I'd probably have like three pounds. No, I get quite a few emails and if I've heard this story so many times before. I've been working on a card game that's a little bit like Magic the Gathering and you're like, all oh, right, yeah, okay. But the designer contacted me about this and it, it was different. There was definitely something different about the game that got me, got me interested. First of all, uh, Marvin runs a podcast and I'd been on that podcast a couple of years ago. And he's created this game which streamlines the dueling aspect of these card games. And what makes it different is it's simple, it's quick, it's fun, it's interesting, and it's not collectible because the way that it works is you have a deck of cards, and at the start of the game you shuffle the cards and you deal each player 10, and then the rest of the cards go away. And each player plays the game with the 10 cards that they've been dealt. That's it. So to play this game, you need literally the deck of cards. That's it. There's no deck construction rules. You don't buy extra fancy cards. You don't have booster packs. You don't have... I mean, they might expand the game in future. But what I'm saying is, if you think this is another CCG or LCG, it's not. It is literally a dueling card game, but everything you need is straight there in the particular deck of cards. I very much enjoyed it. Um, the people who saw the video uh, already, some of my Patreon supporters have seen it, they were like, this looks really fun. It's like 15 minutes for a game, and as I say, very streamlined, very interesting. So that video is on the channel now, go and check it out, Mindbug. We talked about Undaunted Reinforcements on the 17th already, and then on the 18th of November, Great Western Trail, second edition, solo mode. Great Western Trail is a top 10 game for me. I absolutely love Great Western Trail, and I was very excited when I heard that um, the second edition was coming out this year, which is actually the first in a trilogy, because we're gonna have Great Western Trail Argentina and Great Western Trail Australia over the next couple of years, but there's gonna be a solo mode in it. Now, the solo mode in Great Western Trail second edition um, is not actually designed by Alexander Pfister. Um, it's so somebody else who's done it, uh, a guy called Steve, and they did it as a fan expansion on BGG, and they just basically took that, tweaked it a little bit. I think they tweaked it a little bit. Um, it was really good. Now, I do a lot of solo games. I like my solo uh, games to have an easy AI. Turn a card over, read what it says, do it, done. And that was exactly what it was, okay? Um, the, the solo AI in Great Western Trail was really good. It's exactly the kind of solo game that I like, and I very much enjoyed the game. And that is on the channel now if you want to see me do a solo playthrough of Great Western Trail 2nd Edition. The only other games that we've played uh, since then is me and Vicky have been testing the latest Unlock series of games. So this is part of my work, but I do class them as played games. So Unlock Box 10 are Asmodee-themed games. There is a Ticket to Ride scenario, uh, there is a Mysterium scenario, and there's a Pandemic scenario. My initial reaction to when I heard that there was going to be a series of unlock scenarios based on other Asmodee games, I didn't like the idea. I, re I, I thought, ah, that's a bit, I don't know what the right word is, but it just, really, do you need to do that? Can you not do something else? I was thinking, I don't know. Anyway, we've now played them. Brilliant. 
Really, really good, right? We did the Ticket to Ride one uh, yesterday, we did the Mysterium one on Saturday, and we did the Pandemic one on Tuesday. Now, this was part of my paid work, but I can tell you that if your initial reaction was the same as mine, it's like, why are they doing this? Can they not do something new? They have managed to give the feel or some elements of the board game into an unlock scenario. It definitely is an unlock scenario, absolutely through and through, but it manages to use the elements and the theme of those board games and it does it really, really well. So we've tested them. Obviously we found a number of errors and a number of things that need fixing and typos and corrections, but that's part of the work. So I don't know when that's gonna be out. It will be probably a few months time, but yeah, that's it for games that have played. Now, what else has been on the channel? Uh, think, right, unboxings galore. <laughs> Since the last video log, ga the Gaming Rules YouTube channel has become the unboxing channel. I've done Unfathomable, Altry, Magnate, Lost Ruins of Arnak Expansion, Undaunted Reinforcements, Brick and Mortar, Corrosion, Great Western Trail 2nd Edition, Golem, Iki, Messina 1347, and Bitoku. 12 unboxings in the last three weeks. That's because I've had an absolute shed loads of new games and I like doing the live unboxings. So yeah, they're, they're good fun. Um, plans for the future. Well, I've, I've talked about the, the, the mind bug tutorial and playthrough. As I say, as you're watching this video now, that video will probably be already live on the channel. I'll probably make it live tonight, actually. Um, I want to do an unboxing of the Tapestry expansion because it's arrived and it's going into the GridCon library. I leave for GridCon tomorrow, so maybe sometime later today I'll do an unboxing video of the Tapestry expansion, which means that's not really plans for the future, that's probably plans for the past. It's really weird doing this video log knowing that before this goes live I'm probably doing some extra bits. But then we've got GridCon. Now, GridCon is going to take me out for the next week and a bit, um, but after GridCon I have lots of plans for December. I will be doing endless winter videos, I will be doing playthrough videos for both uh, Board and Dice new games at Zapotec, Tabanusi, uh, I'll be covering Golem on the channel and hopefully Bitoku, uh, and also my patron supporters will be voting on which other games they want to see on the channel and which solo playthroughs I'll be doing in December. But let's just go right back to what I said at the start. If I'm going to get into the habit of changing when I do these video logs, then the next video log that I do will be the first week in December, which is only two weeks from now. Which means all of these future plans, hardly any of these will have happened. Well, the, go the Golem might have happened because I think I'm doing that on the 3rd of December. Um, and I, I will definitely talk about GridCon. And I'll talk about the games that I played at GridCon, if I get a chance to. Um, anyway, right, moving forward, let's talk about uh, the Patreon support. So as I mentioned at the start, since announcing that I'm stepping back from rulebook work, um, the support I've received was 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 overwhelming and a lot of people have started supporting me on Patreon. So what I'm going to talk about now, the, the, the picture is not actually completely true because what I'm going to talk about now is all of the people who started supporting me in October. And as I mentioned, it's currently the 22nd of November. So this doesn't cover everybody who has started supporting me since the start of November. I'm going to put a list on screen now. This is the list of all of the new patron supporters that have started supporting me in October. And as you can see at the bottom, the net change is 34. Now, if you are a regular viewer of my video logs, you will know that the net change over the last six months or so ago has been 
four or five a month, except for last month, which I think was minus one. In October, you can already see that that's 34. So a big thank you to all of the new supporters. And you'll notice there are a lot of stars on there as well. Those stars are people who have increased their support from a lower level to that level. So yeah, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And the reason why that's not telling the full picture, that is the picture as of the end of October. Since the start of November, that trend has continued. And I think right now, I am currently about plus 20 for November. So November is, has already been going really well. Now, you know, this it's difficult for me because I actually said in the last video log, when I stepped away from rulebook writing, I specifically said, please don't feel you have to now start supporting me because I am going to be financially worse off next year. That That's just a fact. I am basically not doing rulebook work moving forward like, like I have been doing, and I am going to take a financial hit for that. And that's fine. And, and I said, that's absolutely fine. But a lot of people have gone, we want to, we want to support you and support the channel. So yeah, huge thank you. That That's actually... You know, I was a little concerned by giving up a kind of work that's a big part of your income, but the patron support has been fantastic. So yeah, big, big thank you to everybody for, for, for keeping funding the channel. And what I'm actually going to be doing, because the support suddenly took a big rise, I've decided to set a new goal. Uh, and that is 800 supporters, ideally by the end of the year. At the time, I'm just going to punch this up on screen now because I don't actually know what the current numbers are. But at the moment, as I'm recording this video, there are currently, nobody's left today, that's good, 763 supporters. So you may have noticed on some of my videos recently, there's been a countdown to 800. Uh, that's basically what this is. I'm trying to get to, well, I'm not really trying, but it'd be nice if I did. If I can get to 800 supporters by the end of the year, I have something special planned. In fact, I've got something special planned for when I get to 800. Now, if I can get to 800 by the end of the year, great. It's, it's a nice target to, to set. But that countdown to 800, if I don't make it by the end of the year, I'll just carry on and I'll try and make it by the end of January. So 763 supporters at the moment, that means we only need 37. So if you are not currently as a Patreon supporter of mine, but you are in a position to be able to support me on Patreon, even at a dollar a month or, or whatever you can, then that will go towards funding the channel and help me make this goal. So yeah, at 800, I have something special planned. Um, but the other thing is what a lot of people who've joined the Patreon recently, if you join at supporter level or higher, you get access to the Slack channel. And over the last couple of months, maybe two or three months, there's a lot of people, a lot of new supporters that I've had who have been invited to the Slack channel who don't really know what the Slack channel is, but they got this, e they got this invite and they joined in. And as I say, it's quite a few people that have contacted me and said, well, look, Paul, I, I started supporting you because I like your videos, I watch your content and everything else. I had no idea that this entire community existed. And this is brilliant. And they said, you should advertise this more because it's a really great part. If you are a patron supporter of mine at the $3 level or higher, you have access to this like channel. If you are watching this video and you are a supporter and you don't have access to it, please let me know and I can get you in there if you want to. You don't have to. It's completely optional because uh, I know it can be t quite time consuming, but it's a great community that we have on there. And the gaming rules community on the Slack channel has built up over the last few years and is now such a nice, friendly, warm place with lots and lots of discussions going on. Unless we talk about Wingspan and then it gets a little bit heated. Um, but no, it's a great place. Um, 
Right, I think that's probably everything. That's all of the games that I've played. We've talked about the video log, we've talked about that, we've talked about the future plans, we've talked about GridCon a little bit. I'm going to GridCon. I leave tomorrow, so 2.30 tomorrow. Uh, we are packing everything. Well, everything's packed up. We've spent ages packing everything into boxes and we're going to GridCon. And I am actually going to be doing a plan to, internet connection permitting, uh, I'm going to be doing live video logs from GridCon, probably about 10 o'clock each night, but it, it depends what's going on. So yeah, there'll be some, uh, similar to what I did for Messen, uh, there'll be some live video logs from GridCon at the end of each day, um, just to give you an update and see what's going on. If the internet connection isn't good or the sound isn't good, then it might not work, but we'll, we'll give it a go. Anyway, we're done for now. Thank you very much. And I might be back in a couple of weeks time <laughs> with the next video log. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. I, I, I've not written up all of the rest of my notes, but I think that's everything. I'm going to disappear now. I'm going to get some lunch. I'm going to edit this video. The drilling outside has stopped. I should have waited really. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for watching. And as I say, a big thank you to all of my patient supporters for funding the channel. Take care and I'll see you in the next one. Bye bye.